Hey friends, welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast in this week's adult Bible study as we continue our study on being difference makers. Throughout this study, it's a short one, six weeks. I've been kind of reviewing where we've been, so you'll catch that at the very beginning. But this week, we're going to look at the subject of being steadfast and how being steadfast can help us make a difference. Let's get started. Take our Bibles and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we have looked so far, really this series, as I said in the prayer, is difference makers. And, and the heartbeat behind this series of messages is to challenge us as individuals to be difference makers. I was thinking about this this morning as I was getting ready. When I say difference makers, I'm not talking about, and we live in this superhero society where we think of the Marvel movies or something and so difference makers, these Avengers, and they're saving the world or something like that. No, I, I don't think that the, the heartbeat behind these messages is that. Some of us can even go to some Bible characters. And we look at David, and he, he defended a whole nation, and he beat Goliath. And I taught on that last week. And so we can say, yeah, we're going to be like a David. And, or we can go to the other side and say, I can never be like a David. Or we look at a Noah who prepared an ark for 125 years and literally saved the world. Well eight people and the rest of them all died and he started a new nation we say well i can't be like that no by difference makers it may be as simple as this you just turn the tide in your family in your family with your kids you make a difference the older i'm getting and i'm 41 but the older i'm getting the more i'm realizing that my wife and my children are the, the biggest influence that I can have. And the less, the less I care if you're, in, now no longer, I'm no longer a pastor, but any, even if you're a pastor, you can get those temptations. You're like, oh, maybe I get invited to this meeting or maybe I could speak here. But really, if you lose your kids and your family, that breaks your heart. And so making a difference in those that you're closest to may be the purpose for us hearing of this series of lessons. It doesn't have to be that we are the people that are making a difference that's going to change all of America. No, we're trying to, we're trying to make a difference where we are. And if God chooses to use that to do something greater than wonderful, like we've said in one illustration about the Sunday school teacher that made a difference in one boy's life that was selling shoes in a shoe store now he had no idea that boy would one day be dl moody who would preach and millions would be say a thousands lives been changed he didn't know that he just wanted to make a difference to his class and that's where i think we need to start saying if we're going to make a difference we want to start with those that god has put in our path it's easy to look at our world and complain for others it's easy to look at our world and worry it's easy to look at other people's lives and compare. But what is needed more than ever, I believe, is difference makers in the home and in lives. So we've seen three lessons so far, three words that we've discussed if, that, that are need to make up our lives if we're going to make a difference. Number one, we talked about being genuine. We've got to be genuine. You've got to be a genuine believer, a genuine disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ if you're going to make a difference. If you're just kind of up and down and it's like, people are having a hard time even narrowing down what you believe or you're you are a christian right but you don't well i saw what you're posting but that, those people are not gonna make a difference they're 
They may be saved. They may wind up in heaven one day. They're not going to make a difference. Genuine discipleship, genuine following of Jesus Christ, that's going to make a difference. We talked about how doers are going to make a difference. Those are people that are actively serving God as much as they uh, uh, can with the abilities that they're given. There's a little bit here below you there. So there's, they're doers. They're actively serving God. But then last week I built on that and said, well, we have to be dependent doers because we're limited in what we can do. We can do some things. We can, there's some very talented humans out there, very smart humans out there, but we must be dependent upon God if we're going to make the difference that God wants us to make. And so that's kind of where we left off. But today I want to take you to a, a verse that if you spend any time in church, you've heard this verse probably. It's a verse that I love. But it's the, it brings us to the next word. And let me read the verse and then I'll give you the word. It says in verse 58, Therefore, now a little bit Bible principle, study principle. If you ever see the word therefore, you've got to back up and see what's therefore. And I will later in the message. But he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This week's word that we're going to look at is the word steadfast. So I really do believe if you and I are going to make a difference, we've got to be steadfast. And here's why. Because we may set out and say, you know what? I love God. I'm genuine. I love God. And I, I'm, I'm going to go do something. I'm going to make a difference. And I'm going to trust in God to get it done. And we go after it. And then all of a sudden, something sets in. And it's really what I would call my first point is why do I need steadfastness or what provokes the appeal to steadfastness? I got a fancy way of saying it and then I have the, just the break it down and this is what it actually means. All right. But what provokes us to need steadfastness? Well, a few things. Number one, our flesh is going to want to quit. Our flesh is going to want to quit. No matter how dependent, no matter how strong you try to be, there's going to come a time when you just want to quit. For various reasons, sometimes you're just not seeing a difference in this time frame that you wanted it to be, and you get discouraged. Boy, discouragement's a big one. I don't know if I'll hit on discouragement here in a little bit. I will, but discouragement's a big one, and so maybe you're just looking at your timetable, and you're like, I've been investing in this certain ministry. Today's Ministry Sunday, and we're talking about some ministries. Maybe you say, I've been in this ministry for some time, and I just don't feel like I'm making a difference. And your flesh, you just want to quit. You just get discouraged. Sometimes in your flesh, you just you get tired. And you're like, I just, I, I just can't do it anymore. And we're not seeing the difference. Things aren't going as planned. And so we just want to quit. And that's when this verse comes in. Be ye steadfast. And those that are steadfast are able to make a difference. We could put in, we could insert here a Michael Jordan, probably a Michael Jordan illustration. Could we not? It's not in my notes. But anybody tell me what happened to Michael Jordan in high school? If you're a sports fan, what do you know? Do you know? He got cut from the team. Very good. Something Aaron can identify with. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I was kidding. He got, he got cut from the team. Michael Jordan, and let me just say this, in the, in the week that LeBron James set the record, the best basketball player of all time, Michael Jordan. Okay, can I say that? Thank you, thank you. Michael Jordan got cut from his high school team, but he was steadfast. He was steadfast and unmovable. And he continued to work and he continued to work to get to arguably the best player of all time. 
But there's an illustration there. There's, there's, there's other illustrations in the secular world, but the idea is this. If any, in any field, if you're going to make a difference, you have to be steadfast. But especially in the Christian life, when not only are you facing the difficulties of this world, but there's a satanic battle that goes on that you don't realize, trying to discourage you. And so those that make a difference are steadfast. Do you think Joseph, when he was a slave and when he was in prison, did he not need to be steadfast? And he made a difference. Moses had to be steadfast on the backside of that desert for 40 years thinking, what am I doing? Eaten up by the fact that he'd killed a person, eaten up by the fact that he was rejected by his own people, but he made a difference. But he had to be steadfast. We could go on. Paul had to be steadfast. He made a difference, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, but three times they took stones and stoned him three times i mean he was shipwrecked he faced a lot he could have just said you know what i am tired of people throwing rocks at me i am tired of getting in a ship and heading over there's something happening we wrecked i'm floating in water for days i'm tired of them taking rods and beating me i've done enough i think i'm just gonna retire i'm done see our flesh gets tired we have to be steadfast now, so, not only is our flesh going to quit, want to quit, but the world's going to tempt us. The world is going to try to lure us and combine with that flesh that can get tired. It's going to try to tempt us to do wrong. You see, on this, this path of trying to be difference makers, there's going to be temptations over there that says, that looks a lot better than what I'm doing right now. And because maybe I'm not seeing the difference being made in the time period that I wanted to be done, but that looks fun or that looks alluring and there's constantly a pool. There's constantly that flesh in this world tempting us to do wrong. We've got to be steadfast. There's a lot of people that don't make a difference because they choose to give in to the sin instead of continuing to serve God. A lot of, a lot of pastors over the years that I've heard that they're maybe serving in big, good churches. But they enjoy the sin more than they do what God's doing. And they choose to sin and get found out. And now they're done. You want to make a difference, the world's going to try to tempt you. Your flesh is going to try to quit. Satan's going to try to discourage you, as I've already talked about a little bit. And Ephesians talks about the wiles of the devil and how he, he tries to discourage. Remember Elijah? Simple illustration here, biblical illustration. Remember Elijah on the Mount of Carmel when he's when he's he's kind of in this competition since today's Super Bowl day. We like competition. He's in that competition against the prophets of Baal, and he's in the the competition to make keep it simple is is simply whoever prays to their God and gets their God to send fire from heaven wins. That's the simplified version. Okay. So the prophets of Baal get up and they call fire from heaven. Nothing happens. They do it for hours and then they stand on the altar. They're cutting themselves, bleeding, doing these chanting. No fire. And then you remember Elijah gets his turn. He's kind of sitting over there mocking them a little bit, which was my favorite part of the story. Maybe because that's my flesh. I don't know. But then he gets up, builds that, al builds that altar. What does he do to that altar before he calls fire down? Does anybody remember? Yeah. Water. Waters it. Now, water and fire don't usually go together. Firemen usually carry water to put out fires. But he waters that whole thing in a time of drought, by the way, which is an interesting picture of faith. But he, he waters the whole thing. And then he prays, like, I can't remember now because it's been a while since I studied it and it wasn't in my notes, but it's like 64 words or something. It's all he did. After these guys have been hours, and fire comes down from heaven. Now, if you're Elijah in that moment, 
don't you feel pretty good? It's like, man, I kind of made a difference today. That was pretty cool. Now, you just come off, they had to kill all these prophets of Baal. Now all of Israel that's been kind of teetering back and forth, now they're like all saying, the, the Lord, he is God. And if you're Elijah, now Elijah's probably more humble than me, okay? More humble than maybe some of you in here. But if you're Elijah, maybe you lay down your head on the pillow just for sake of illustration that night and go, man, I made a difference today. That was pretty sweet. I called down fire from heaven. Now, he's going to give God all the glory, but I'm building it for my illustration. But then what happens is he, he goes on, and man, I would have, same thing, but then he's, he looks to his servant, and there hadn't been rain in three and a half years. And he tells the servant, go look for, the, go look for this cloud. There's going to be some rain coming. The servant comes back, there's no cloud. He goes, there's going to be rain. Just go back. He sends them seven times, and he predicted the rain. And then it starts to rain, and everything's going crazy. And if I'm Elijah that night, I'm laying down on my head going, that, that's pretty cool. I was able to predict, I, I was able three and a half years ago to say no rain, and it didn't rain because God told me. And now God told me it was going to rain, and I just called it. Like that servant's eyes, you see his eyes, they were huge. That's, I made a difference. That's what I would have thought. But then word got back to Jezebel. That's always scary. And Jezebel says, I'm going to cut your head off. And that same Elijah that just made a difference was now sitting over by a tree. And I'm telling this story in a very fast way and skipping some parts. But now he's sitting by a tree, and what did he say? You guys remember? I just want to die. I just want to die. Like, hold on a second. You just called down fire from heaven a couple days ago. You just predicted rain, and three and a half years ago, you stopped rain with your prayers. You, God is using you to make a difference. And now you're sitting by a tree by yourself. And he says, I just want to die. Why am I still alive? He wants to die. You know why? Because Satan loves to discourage difference makers. So the truth is, if, if we take all six lessons, when all these together, and we try to apply them in our lives, and we try to go out and make a difference to our family, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get attacked by Satan. You're going to be discouraged. An attack doesn't mean that you're going to see red eyes over you at night in bed and all this scary stuff. It just means that you're going to get discouraged and think, where is this coming from? Have you ever been discouraged and you can't figure out why? She's like, I don't know where it's coming from. Nothing seems to be going on. I don't think It may just be that Satan is trying to discourage you. So I'm taking some, way too long on some of these, but why do I need steadfastness? Or what provokes the need to steadfastness? Well, my flesh is going to want to quit. The world's going to try to tempt me. Satan's going to try to discourage me. And you know what? This next, one's, this next one's a big one. People are going to hurt you. People are going to hurt you. Sometimes it's those that you're ministering to that hurt you. Sometimes it's those that you're trying to make a difference in their life, and they hurt you. If you get involved in ministry too long, you're going to have some hurts. Some that you've discipled and, and poured your life into. And now they've left. And they're upset over something that makes no difference. Sometimes people use their words to say things. Now we got the warriors on Facebook and stuff that are great with their fingers. You know what I mean? They can post some things and just send it out to hundreds of people. And they, they, can, they can attack in that way. Sometimes it's like I said, they, they just backslide. They get away from God. Sometimes it may be physically someone has hurt you. And you say, I'm just, I'm just trying to make a difference. And then all this stuff's happening and these hurts are happening. And with that temptation, along with our flesh and this world and temptation, it's easy to say, 
why? Just quit. I'm just going to go live in my bubble. Let you guys all burn if you want to burn. I don't care. I'm going to live my life. I don't care about the rest of you. And that's an easy place to get to. You know how I can say that? Because I've been there before. Probably within the last week. (laughs) There's been some times when I think it is so much easier if I would just go clock in. And then at 5 o'clock I clock out. And then I go home. Put the dogs outside. Read a book. Stare at a TV. And then do it again the next day. And if I never see another human being, I'm okay. That's what I think sometimes. Now, we're all being real, right? I know you guys are people, but sometimes I think that. And you know why? Because you can get discouraged in the work. You can get, your flesh gets tired. The world tries to tempt you. Satan tries to discourage you. Sometimes people just hurt you. And when that happens, you've got, this is where this key comes in. Difference makers are steadfast. That means, even through all of this, he said in this verse, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So let's, that's why we need steadfastness. And the reason I spent so much time on there, we didn't use as much Bible on that point, because that's parts that are just, we feel. It happens. If you don't believe me on that part, then maybe you're not alive and you're a sim right now, okay? Because that stuff happens. We get discouraged. We get, that's why we need steadfastness. But I want, to show, I want to show you secondly then what precedes it. That's what provokes it. But what precedes this attitude of steadfastness? What do I need to know before I get to those points? And I want to show you, look at verse 57. Really, I could back up a little bit more, but verse 57, he says this, But thanks be to God which giveth us the, notice that next word, victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you were to back up into the rest of this passage, like starting, I mean, really, you could go back to beginning verse 1, and then you go to verse 12. What he's doing in this chapter is he's defending the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and he's telling the church of Corinth, Jesus is alive. Yes, he died. I was there. I, I mean, I mean, I know of it. I've been told. I've, he's probably talking about the road to Damascus, and he's seen the risen Jesus. But he says Jesus Christ is alive. He was seen by over five hundred people at once after he resurrected. Jesus is alive, and he spends a whole chapter talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and then he tells us in verse fifty-seven that because Jesus is alive, because he lives, like the hymn we sing, we have victory. Like, we're not defeated. No matter what comes your way, you can always overcome, not because of us, but because Jesus is alive. And so he says we can give thanks to God. So what proceeds, what motivates this steadfastness in my life? It is understanding that Jesus is alive. So in the moments that you're sitting there thinking, all I want to do is quit. I've got to get me done with this. I'm tired of these people. I can't. That's where that dependent comes in from last week. When we're dependent on God, we can get the steadfastness that we need in the most difficult of moments. See, sometimes we look at dependence and say, well, dependence is about God giving me power to overcome like the Goliaths and stuff. Well, you know what? Sometimes dependence is just God getting you up out of bed. Sometimes the dependence is just God getting you over the hurt Getting you through the hurt is probably a better way to say it. Sometimes dependence is just God getting you from discouragement to saying, 
I'm not going to quit. And that alone is defeating a Goliath. I used to, I grew up, and a lot of times in my mind, I'm also think, I'm thinking of the big things as defeating the Goliath. But the more that I'm journeying through life, I'm seeing that sometimes it's the steadfastness and it's just that, accomplishing that in the strength and grace of God that allows you to continue on to make the difference. So the resurrection, Jesus, yes, we celebrate the resurrection at Easter and we say, because of that, I can go to heaven. Yeah, all that's true. But because of that, in the most difficult times of your life, Jesus still gives you victory. Remember, you, if you've said in any of my classes, and all of you have, you've heard me say this truth a million times because I believe it to be the most important thing outside of salvation itself. And it's the other side of the gospel. It's the fact that not only does the resurrection, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ save you and take you to heaven, but it gives you victory every day of your life. I think churches do such a disservice to say basically you're saved by faith through Jesus Christ alone. That's a good part. And then basically the rest of your life figure it out on your own until you get to heaven. That is a disservice to all of the New Testament. Because Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, not just so to get you to heaven, but so that he can give you victory today over your anger and tomorrow over your hurts and the next day over that discouragement. That's what the gospel's all about. Yes, to overcome death and sin and hell, but it's also to overcome every single day. That's what these verses are about. That's why he says, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory over death? Yes. But victory over sin? Yes, today. It's the power and penalty of sin. That's the principle. You've heard me teach it a hundred times. But what I'm saying is this. That's what precedes steadfastness. So that's when the days that you don't want to get out of bed, and the days that you don't want to continue, and the days that you want to quit, that's the moments that you say, God, you're still alive, and I'm going to keep going. Just this week, I was hesitating there because I was trying to decide whether to say this illustration or not. So I'll just go ahead and say it. The person will listen to the podcast, so I won't say the name. But um, there were, this week, for some reason, I don't remember why, probably because I didn't get my walk in that day or something, but I was just feeling a little bit discouraged. Maybe it was something. And to be honest... The, the, the what, what I'm thinking about, and I'm going to put this on the podcast, but I'm trying to decide at the end of this year, do I still, I do this podcast, but it takes a little bit of time. Do I still do that? Do I still do some writing? Or do I just stop it all and enjoy life? <laughs> That's what I'm trying to decide. And I almost get myself convinced that by December 31st next year, I'll be done with everything. And I'll, I almost get myself convinced. I'm like, just, just relax and enjoy life. Don't, not that I don't enjoy that, but just don't worry about it. Don't worry about any other outside of things. Just be done. And I was ready to do that. And someone sent me a text message, long text message this week, and said something about something that I wrote at the beginning of January and said that helped me. And I didn't realize it until now. But that, what you said, and I want to get into the specifics of it because so, the person didn't give me permission. But what you said there has helped me, and I really believe that is why I have a closer walk with God today. Basically, I'm summarizing it. And in that moment, it's almost like God said, here's your encouragement. In a time when you're down for whatever reason, here's a little bit of encouragement. And that's what God does. He encourages us to be steadfast. We have a God who is loving. We, we sometimes treat God like he's some 
alien in a faraway place that doesn't care for us. No, God loves you. He knows everything that you're wrestling with. He knows everything that you think. He knows everything, and He loves you, and He cares for you, and He wants you to call out for Him. His resurrection allows us to depend upon His strength even during the hard times. And then notice in this verse, getting back to our verse, He says, Be steadfast, unmovable. Don't quit. Jesus is alive. And then he says, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The labor that you do in the Lord. You good news guys? The labor that you're doing. The, 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 the rest, those of you Sunday school teachers maybe, or those of you that are working in Master Club, those of you that are working uh, in various areas of the church and all these tables that are going to be set up or people working, that labor is not in vain in the Lord. When we do this labor in the strength of God, it's not in vain. And we have to remember that. That's what motivates us to continue to be steadfast, is our labor is not in vain. So what provokes it? Well, there's a lot of needs, because we're going to get tired. We're going to be tempted. We're going to get discouraged. People are going to hurt us. But why do we keep going? Because Jesus has given us victory, and he makes the difference. But then... And I, this is, could be a whole nother lesson. So I wish I had time, but I'm going to say it fast for you because I love these verses. But what motivates me to keep on when I'm in the trial? What propels us? What propels us forward? And if we went over to 2 Corinthians, go, let's go over to 2 Corinthians 5 real quick. 2 Corinthians, just a few verses over. In chapter 4, really, in 5. But let's look at chapter 5 and verse 9. This, this chapter 4 and 5 is just some great chapters. But I'm just going to go through some of this quick. But it, it, what motivates us? Well, number one, ought to be an attitude to please Christ. Look at verse 9. It says, Wherefore we labor. We labor. Remember in the last chapter he says, Our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. The word accepted in the Greek, if you look it up, means well-pleasing. So he says, We labor so that we can be well-pleasing to God. That ought to be our goal. Our goal shouldn't be to get the applause of, man, to, of men. If they do it, great. But it ought to be that we're doing this, we're serving, we're propelled by the fact that we want to please God. That's what Paul said here, and a little bit later, he says in verse number, um, uh, verse number 14, which is going to be another reason that I'm going to give here in a second, but he says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that we which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died and rose again. That's the, really, I'll just give this as the second reason. Why? What propels me forward? Well, it's the love of God. The love of God propels me. If he loved me enough to die for me, I can be steadfast because I love him. A love, a love caused you to be steadfast. And so his amazing love, the attitude to please Christ, you know what, there's another one that's a little bit more, maybe not more serious, but a little bit more um, get our attention. But look at verse 10 and 11. Look at verse 10, the very first part. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Then he says this, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also made manifest to your consciences. You know another reason what propels us forward? Yeah, we ought, to be, we ought to be motivated by, I want to please God. We ought to be motivated by, God loves me, I love him back, I'm going to serve him. 
But you know, another motivation is there isn't a judgment that's coming. And one of these days, we're going to stand before God. It's not the great white throne judgment. That's where unsaved people are, and they're cast into the lake of fire. It's not that judgment. It's the judgment seat of Christ. And he says here that we'll give an account and receive based on what we've done in this body, whether it be good or bad. I think the bad, if I remember right, means worthless. Like, did we just waste our life, or did we use it to live for God? And that judgment ought to motivate us that we're going to live for him. There's another one down there in verse number, um, in, down in verse number 20. It says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. So we're ambassadors. When we have a job to do, and as an ambassador, you know, if you're an ambassador for America over in, let's say, the Philippines or whatever, you represent that country in another country, and we represent heaven here in this country. We are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And so you have all of these things that I've went through fast. Like I said, this is a whole other message that I've done before on each one of these points, really. But what is it that motivates me what to continue to be steadfast when I don't want to be? Well, an attitude to please Christ, an awareness of the judgment, the amazing love of Christ, and the fact that I'm an ambassador to another land, heaven. That ought to be some motivation that he gives right here. But here's my challenge to you today, and I'm going to wrap this up. My challenge is this. If you truly want to be a difference maker, you're going to need to be steadfast. Yeah, you need to be genuine. Probably every week I'm like, oh, we got to have this one. All right. Yeah, you really got to be genuine. You're not going to make a difference. You do have to be a doer because if you sit around and do nothing, you're not going to make a difference. You got to be dependent because we need God's strength. But I'm telling you, this one hits home. We need to be steadfast because what's going to happen is you may leave a class and say, I'm going to go make a difference in my family. And then you get, you get hit with discouragement. And that seems to be one of the number one things that takes people out. Oh, you don't lose your salvation. You may not even stop coming to church. But it's what makes us want to become a hermit and say, I don't care. You all figure it out. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to try to take my kids, my spouse. rest of you figure it out. Well, I don't think that's what God wants us to do. So there comes a time when we've got to be steadfast, even in hurts and even in struggles and even in times that were difficult, make it to make a difference for Jesus Christ. Let's pray.